Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Battleborn Batteries, the best name in the RV and marine industry. These lithium batteries are designed and assembled in the USA, backed by a 10 year warranty. The best solution for your battery anxiety. So go check them out at battlebornbatteries.com. Whether your adventure is on the road, on the water, or off the grid, Battleborn Batteries keep you out there longer. You are listening to Beyond the Wheel, a podcast about the people and ideas that drive the RV community forward. All right. Hi, Kenny. Hey, Sean. How are you doing today? Good. We're finally back on. This is our our podcast episode where it's just the two of us. And tonight we thought we would talk about the report that KOA did. Every year they normally do a North American camping report. This year they did a special edition because of COVID. And what they do normally is it comes out in January or February they hire a research firm that goes through the US and Canada and they will survey people on camping. And so this year they did an interim report because of the COVID just with questions specifically related to COVID-19 and camping. I think we're gonna talk about that tonight and or whenever you're listening to this and see what they said compared to, since they did this back in April, May timeframe, uh, compared to what it's actually, what it has been. Yeah, I like that they make it a uh, independent market research instead of keeping it, keeping it all in-house. They use a company, I think it's a Karen Consulting Group is the ones that actually did the research for them. And I think that's a good move by Camping World instead of just having them kind of do their own research and saying, oh, camping's great right now. I, I like that they use an independent group to do it. I think yeah, yeah. So it's kind of accurate. I yeah. Say. Yeah. A little more unbiased. <laughs> they found a lot of interesting things about when they asked people, what are their plans for camping this year? How did COVID affect their plans? Did they act as nothing happened and continue to go on and continue to go on their trips? Did they cancel them? What did they do? And they actually found that 41% of the uh, campers did decide to keep their trips. That's less than half, which yeah. was surprising to me. Yeah, 40, 41% said they are going to keep their plans, but 31 of them, 31%, I should say, decided to cancel their plans, cancel their camping trips uh, for the year, and 13% are going to sp- postpone them. Yeah, and I thought that was interesting because we kept most of our camping plans. Uh, we did cancel a big trip we had to the Upper Peninsula, though, because we thought it would just be too crowded. It wasn't worth the risk to us. But if more than 50% or, yeah, more than 
well, no, th 31 and 13, what is that? 44% ended up canceling or postponing. Maybe it wasn't as crowded as we suspected it would be. Yeah. So Brian and I definitely changed up our travel plans. You know, normally we bounce around a lot. And I remember we sat for a long period of time because we just didn't know what was going to be going on. And we just felt the best thing to do was trying to hunker down. I really like that term hunker down. Sabrina hates it, but you know, got hunkered down in one location, pay attention to the news, see what was going on in the area. And then of course, for me, Sabrina's a pulmonary critical care physician. She's my major, major source of information. She gets emails similar to you, Sean, you get emails from CDC and stuff. So she's getting emails from CDC. She's getting emails from hospitals all across the country, uh, letting her know what's going on in their hospital, trying to allure, kind of uh, allure her over to help them out and stuff like that. So yeah, we just kind of chilled out for six months. I would say that we fell into that area that canceled our plans because we really uh, changed changed up the way we traveled. All through 2020, we changed up the way we traveled. Yeah, we definitely, I mean, we bought a house, so we stopped, <laughs> stopped traveling full-time, but even our travel plans, I would say we altered them more than canceled them, but mm. yeah, it, it was definitely a concern. So I'm glad a lot of people canceled or postponed their trips though. Yeah, I, I believe it was the smart move. I, yeah. I still think it's kind of a, the smart, smart move, to be honest with you. You know, I do think camping's very safe and that brings us to the next part of the discussion that KOA had with this form is they asked people, how do they feel once restrictions start lifting? Where do they place camping and RVing in the mindset of how safe is it? It ranked number one. Camping yeah. came in number one and then an off-grid camp cabin was number two. The least was international air travel <laughs> and even domestic air travel was only slightly above, yeah. above that. But that wasn't too surprising I, I, for the air travel. Anyway, you're kind of in a small can with a bunch of strangers in a sense. But I was surprised to see that camping ranked so high. Yeah. And I guess we should say that this wasn't just RVers that they interviewed. They right. actually interviewed leisure tra all leisure travelers, campers, and prospective campers. So people that haven't even had experience camping yet. So yeah, having all three of that, those groups by far said that camping was the safest type of travel when the restrictions are lifted. Definitely something to say for, for camping. And I think I would agree with that. I think in, um, what, what do they call that? Like in a, not in a, like in a study or in a controlled environment, I completely agree with that because we have our own bathrooms, we have our own sinks, we can make all of our own meals. But I, I've been telling you about the campers are a little too friendly during these times. <laughs> everybody, Sabrina, and I feel like everybody needs to, we can wave, we can be friendly, but I don't know, but people still feel the need to like get right up in front of us to talk or to say something to us. And we're like, and we back up and they step forward and we back up and, and we just say, look, you know, Sabrina works. This is our excuse. And it's true. Sabrina works in the hospital. You don't want to be anywhere near us. She is yeah. taking care of COVID patients every single day. Yeah. So, and we use that as our excuse, but it's, it's true too. Like Sabrina would feel horrible if she got, you know, it's bad enough that she's going to get me sick, but she would feel horrible if she got somebody else sick. So I do, believe that camping RVing and all that is the safest because of you know our self-containment making our own meals 
the campers are just too friendly, Sean. They're too friendly for their own good. <laughs> and what's been your experience with like the few times that we've been out camping, nobody's been really wearing their masks in the campground. What, yeah. what, what has been your experience with that? N- not in the campground. And that's what we've been seeing too. I mean, we've had people knock on our door, invite us to a campfire. Again, you know, I, I, I love campers and RVers because we are, all of us are just very friendly. We want to help each other out and stuff like that. But I, I think we need to tone it back a little bit with the friendliness. Uh, we see, you know, and we turn them down. We say, no, we're, we're fine inside. We're, we're good. But then we see them, you know, invite other people to their campfires and they sit at the campfires with them relatively close uh, proximity to one another. Uh, the other day I watched two separate RVers come in and they parked next to each other and they were like showing things on their own rigs. They, the guy was like, Oh, come over here and take a look at this. And then he was like, Oh, well come over here to check out my RV. And they're in their cargo bays. You know how close that is. So <laughs> no, and no mask or anything like that. So. Yeah. And I think people do that because when you're at a campground, it's like, it feels like home, you know, it's like you're at your house. So you don't really think about the mask so much. I don't, I think. Yeah. Now in, inside the offices, inside the stores, the laundry rooms, all that's been great. Everywhere we go, even in the laundry rooms, you know, everybody's wearing their masks inside the, the store. Everybody's wearing their masks. Uh, geez, I can't even th- any, any shared indoor space. We've only seen people wearing their masks on, on the campgrounds. Oh, that's so, that's, so that's been good. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I get it. I mean, I don't, I sometimes carry my mask outside with me. Like if we go on a hike or something like that, just in case if it gets a little crowded, uh, I'll throw the mask on. But for the most part, even on the hiking, people have been, you know, if, if you see somebody coming towards you and you're coming, everybody out on the hiking trails have been really good about, all right, I see you, you, you get over to the safe spot over here, I'll pass and then I'll let you go. Yeah, that's been thing. our experience too. Yeah, yeah. just like that. The one thing on this list that I don't agree with, uh, the number three highest ranked response was for safety was staying with, staying at friends or relatives' houses while on vacation. I don't think that's too safe. Yeah. I, would, I, I wouldn't stay with you, Kenny. No, I wouldn't stay. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't not stay with you COVID. either, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> not, not during COVID. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, even my parents have been giving me a hard time about not seeing them. You know, it's wintertime. So they're, it's not like we could stand outside and chit-chat. They live in Philadelphia. It's, it's, they're getting snow. It's freezing cold. So it's not like I, we could stand outside. So the only thing would, that we would be able to do is to hang out indoors with them. And they are not about the mask life. And I know how, how they've been acting during all of this. And I'm just like, no, we're not. I'm, they're, they're, they get a little upset with me that I haven't been visiting them like I normally do. Yeah. And you see on the news, like family events or people spread it there. So it's not safe. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. And you have a lot of knowledge on this subject too, Sean. People might not know that you have a PhD and you are very much in the know of vi- like viruses. And I don't even know what you know, but yeah. <laughs> so I, I trust you and Sabrina. I get a lot of my information from the, from the two of you because you're not really, um, you know, you watch the news and they're very biased. 
in both directions, depending on what channel you're on. So I, I like getting my information from the two of you guys. <laughs> yeah, I like reading the new COVID literature papers that come out every day. They have a special part of this website called PubMed. It's where all the peer-reviewed publications go for, for medical stuff. And uh, they have a special section right now for COVID only. Oh. And it's all free and it's all full text literature. So it's for nerdy people. It's fun. I was going to say that, that sounds, <laughs> that sounds right up your alley before you said it was for nerdy people, but yeah, it does sound like it's right up your alley. But I think a lot of this, that this information that KOA is collecting is, is because uh, for when restrictions are lifted, which would be, you know, when COVID is not at its high, I mean, it's as bad as it's ever been right now. So they are looking towards the future, like when things are lifted and camping definitely is got to be one of the safest ways to travel. I, I, I always, th I believe it's the best way to travel, not just the safest, but I enjoy it more than any other type of uh, travel. I know with airfare, yeah, you can get to anywhere you want to be relatively quick, but you're on their schedule. You go through their security. Uh, you're on their delay system. I don't know. I like that. I can get up and leave the campground whenever I want. I can plan my days of travel any way I want. I can pull over and stop. For, I don't know. It's a more enjoyable, relaxed, unless if I'm driving the RV through like Chicago, <laughs> it's a more relaxing experience. <laughs> so then they asked about barriers to being able to go on a trip once restrictions are lifted. The campers cited, 33% cited work status and 26% cited finances as the top barriers for their ability to camp or camp more once restrictions are lifted. And I thought this was interesting because, well, number one, it's, I thought the finances would be higher because so many people have been unemployed because of COVID. But it, the other thing that uh, it kind of goes along with an article that we talked about the other day was a Canadian research firm did a uh, estimate and they said that RV trips are about 40% cheaper than if you traveled by plane and got a hotel in a rental car. But what they didn't say, and Kenny pointed this out, was that it didn't include the cost of the RV. So if you buy an inexpensive RV, the savings would add up quicker. And then also if you rented an RV, it may not be as inexpensive as that 40%, but that's kind of a step that you have to take to decide which kind of RV that you want to purchase. Yeah. It's definitely can be a cheaper way to travel once you own the RV. Yeah. Especially there's a great way to save money in your RV and that's being able to cook all your meals in the RV. So you're getting your, still, you're getting your good home cooked meals, but at a fraction of the cost of what it would cost to be, all right, I'm going out for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Even if you just substituted two of them, you know, did a dinner every night out somewhere, but you did your two other meals in the RV, you're definitely going to save. I mean, just once you go to a restaurant, you're, you're paying uh, big bucks. <laughs> and Julie and I just did a video talking about campgrounds or resorts that are over $100 a night. But then when you think about it, the hotels around there, around those resorts are usually 200 a night or more. So mm -hmm. to go to the place, you're going to be spending 
money anyway. And if you could save half off of your accommodations right there, again, after you own the RV, it is a big savings. You're, that's, a, that's a good point what you said though. The campgrounds that are $100 a night are in areas where those hotels are, yeah. You're, you're in a very desirable location where those hotel rooms are gonna be over 200 bucks a night easily. Yeah, yeah. San Diego and, and uh, maybe Vegas or, well, actually Vegas is reasonable, I guess, but yeah, you get the idea. Orlando. <laughs> Orlando is very expensive. Disney yeah, World those, itself. I mean, yeah, all those hotels. Fort Wilderness is expensive, but the, the park hotels are more than the campground. Yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. So I thought these were uh, legitimate. I I really expected the finance part to be higher. Twenty six percent seemed low to me, considering what everybody's been going through this year as far as employment goes. Yeah, yeah, I, I was expecting a uh, a higher barrier for the finances as well. It then goes on to say that you know uh, COVID nineteen is driving new interests interest in camping, and I I liked this number one reason and it's because they want to spend time outdoors after staying home for so long i was like that really makes sense i bet you there's a lot of people that are just itching to like be out and be free (laughs) type of thing (laughs) i know that julie and i try to get out every day julie hikes a lot more than i do but every day we try and go somewhere for a walk even though it's like 30 degrees outside but just to get outside and then on the weekends, we usually try and get, do something a little bit longer outside too, just to get out because you're not going to work. You're not, you know, there's a lot of things that you're not doing right now. And just getting outside is very helpful for your mind, I think. Yeah. And, and the, their third reason for considering camping is that it's easier to practice social distancing, which I believe is very true, you know, compared to being at a campground where when you step outside of your RV, you're stepping to the outdoors compared to a hotel. When you step out of your hotel, normally you're stepping into a hallway. Then maybe you're going down a stairwell or an elevator. So yeah, I think practicing social distancing at the campgrounds can be much easier as long as your neighbors aren't too, too friendly. (laughs) Yeah. I was going to ask you if you've had any experience since we've been in this on having like, you know, some campgrounds you're parked really tight so you can reach your arm out the window. And if the other person was reaching their arm out, you could high five each other. Have you experienced any of that or? No, we've been lucky. The campgrounds that we've been to, we've actually had some really nice, uh, you know, decent amount of space, you know, not not, you know, really stretch out type of space, but some of them have been. I mean, that that campground in Harrisburg, Virginia that we were in, that was a KOA, that gave us a lot of space. The campground that we're here now in California, it's decent. Yeah, it, it's not a, it's not too, too cramped. Like if I have to go and dump my tanks, I'm not too worried about like giving my neighbor a high five while I'm yeah. emptying the tanks or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, we've been to one, just one in Pennsylvania. It was pretty tight and it was crowded. So if you stepped off of your little part, you know, your parking area, then it was pretty tough to social distance and the neighbors were like right next to you. So yeah, it was tough there, but everywhere else it's seemed pretty good. They've done a pretty good job with spacing everybody out. 
Yeah, I think that depends a lot of times just like location. Usually like San Diego gives you tight spots and some of the areas that are just more expensive where property is kind of, uh, what is it, would it be commodity? I don't know. It just, yeah, I think it really depends on location. I also like this other one, 29% of the people they surveyed said they want to get back to camping so that they can reconnect with friends mm -hmm. and family. And I definitely, Sabrina and I both miss this a lot. We miss hanging out with you guys on a camping trip and being, I mean, the last time we all did a camping trip was at Disney world and we had a blast. We missed that like crazy being able to hang out with our friends at the camp at the campgrounds. Yeah. It's, it's pretty important in the camping life to meet up with friends every once in a while, just because, you know, you're traveling. Yeah. We get, we get asked before the COVID we used to get asked a lot if we felt like camping was lonely or is RVing lonely and i i oh, my response has always been absolutely not unless you want it to be but no you will make more friends you will make more friends than you want probably <laughs> it's just the community the, the community is really really good and we keep in touch with people that we met three four years ago even we still you know get on uh like instagram social media and, and write each other messages or just through text message we still meet up with people when we can we haven't been recently of course because of covid but you'd be surprised how often you run into the same people along your journey too. camp camping and RVing is not a something where you will feel alone or miss out on having friends. You'll, you'll have more friends than you, than you could ever imagine while camping. And, and I could see that, you know, 29% of the people said, you know, they want to reconnect with friends and family again. It's, it's a strong community. Yeah. Julie and I always tell people that we've made more friends uh, in the six years we've been RVing than the 20 years we spent in the military. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. See, I'm surprised by that because military, you think you're, you're in a tight knit group as well. Yeah. But I think you're, it's for a different purpose. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's true. In camping and RVing, you have something you're passionate about in common with other people. You're right about that. It is a uh, common interest type of thing. Like you guys are doing a hiking, Sabrina, I enjoy the hiking. I think people that RV do have a lot of those similarities. You like the outdoors to a degree, Sabrina and I, and I, Sabrina and I don't like the bugs, but we do like <laughs> the outdoors, but you see a lot of kayakers, bikers, uh, you all four of us enjoy taking our bikes out. So yeah, it is a lot of common interest when you're, when you're a camper, I think, or an RVer. Then they asked uh, how people will return to camping they say they will return to camping with fewer people in their group and camp closer to home in potentially less crowded destinations. Most people, I think when we talked to Toby, the CEO of KOA, she said that through their years of doing this, they found that most people already camp within 150 miles of their house. Yeah. So I'm not sure how much closer you could get. <laughs> that's true i was really surprised when she told us 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 that that was about two years ago i guess just uh how small the trips and she said that they were i believe it was her that told us that they were frequent like you know they they find a campground that's near their home that they like and that's their that's their getaway and they they, they like that campground and that's where they're at every year you can find those people there at the same week every year yeah <laughs> and then i guess you do have that, I guess, a smaller group. You know what it is with camping and RVing? It's a slower paced type of travel. 
So if you live in Philadelphia and you want to go see the Grand Canyon in your RV, you need some time to get out there. So I, I, it makes sense that, you know, you get a certain amount of vacation time. You don't want to spend all that time just driving to your destination. So it makes sense to keep it, I guess, within, I mean, 150 miles seems a little too close, but yeah, <laughs> I want to get out of the state. Maybe I don't know. depends where you are, I guess. And finding less crowded destinations is getting harder and harder. I think so. Yeah, it seems like everywhere we go, there's quite a few people there. Yeah. If, if you can RV off season in the winter, you'll have good luck, especially in like a colder climate where people don't want to be, unless you're going to somewhere like Colorado, where it's like you're up there for skiing. That doesn't yeah. work there. But yeah, if you're looking at like maybe Erie PA or maybe even your area, Sean, you're getting into cold temperatures. I bet you those campgrounds around you like the Harrisonburg one that may not be that packed right now. It might be a good time of year to be there. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, if you want to meet up with Kenny and Sabrina in Erie, Pennsylvania, in February, <laughs> well, you will like be going that. through there. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, <laughs> typically that's not the way most people want to want to go. Um, yeah. 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 Sabrina. You guys Sabrina and I have definitely had entire campgrounds to ourselves because nobody wants to be at, at a, at a K, at a, I was going to say at a KOA, but yeah, nobody wants to be there when it's 14 degrees out. I mean, it's just no fun. <laughs> We're only there for, for her work, but because if it wasn't for that, we wouldn't be there either. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember we were at a, a state park. And in Virginia, and they were just having a bad week that we were there. It was going down like 15 degrees. And there's, I've never even seen this before happen, but their uh, sewer uh, system, their, their dump station actually froze and the pipes broke and you couldn't use their dump station. Uh. Usually that holds up to cold and it's usually just your fresh water pipes that break, but their sewer pipe broke. So wow. it's no fun. Yeah. <laughs> Which leads us to the next thing, the reasons for increased interest in RVing. And one is because of the concerns over the safety of communal facilities, the importance of having a private bathroom in a cabin or RV is now very important to campers. And 63% of current campers and 44% of prospective campers. Yeah, that's always been important to us. Always. Yeah. That's been, you know, one of the favorite things about uh, the RV is having our own, not just, just the bathroom, but the shower too, you know, not just the, the toilet shower. You can uh, get cleaned up. You're not sharing the showers. I mean, we've done campground showers and they're usually very nice. I couldn't tell you why we were doing that though. I'd probably at a, an area that we didn't have full hookups and to save water, we were probably showering at the campgrounds. Cause I know we've done it before. But it's so nice just to be able to, to have your own, for yeah. sure. <laughs> but we, we both know people that that never use the bathroom in their RVs. Yeah. So to me, it's like maybe not even a luxury. It's just <laughs> my norm, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if a lot of people will start using their people that hadn't in the past. I wonder if they'll start using their bathrooms in their RVs because of COVID. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, I know I know people that use their showers for a closet. They rather and then they just use the campground. They rather use the shower as storage than actually as a shower. So yeah. 
everybody's different, Sean, which is another great thing about the RV. There is like, you know, you, there are so many different ways to RV. And then there was the interest in increased interest in RV ownership. So because of COVID, more than half of campers say that they are now either somewhat or very likely to consider purchasing an RV. And it's very high among Gen Xers and millennials. I, I thought that was a very large number, 52% of campers. So when they're saying campers, I guess it's people who tent camp are now 52% of those people are interested in RV ownership. I thought that was a really big number. Yeah, but there are some really good sort of transition RVs that you can get now, like the hike, uh, that's a good, you know, mm -hmm. step up, the uh, taxa. Yeah, the, I, I was thinking those taxes, that's, that's a really nice bridging point. That gives you the camping experience, but with a little bit of protection around you too. And a little bit of the, the niceties, the, the kitchen. And I'm not surprised by that. I think also because as you get older, you appreciate a mattress much more. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder too, with the age thing, I've often thought about this. This probably isn't really on topic too much, but I would think the older you get, maybe it is on topic, the older you get, maybe you don't want the camping, like you said, maybe you want a mattress and then maybe you even get out of something or, or get, or I should say, you get into an RV that is even more automated, the leveling jacks, the automatic slides where you're not, you know, I see guys out there sometimes with a drill, impact drill, and they're like setting up their stabilizers, they're crawling underneath their RV, they're disconnecting stuff. Maybe you want to get into a more automated type of system the older you get just to make it easier on your back. Get some snap pads so you don't even have to go under there and put blocks under there. It's a nice little uh, throw in. There you go. Snap yeah. pad. Get that one for free. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, what travelers are looking forward to most? And it says among leisure travelers, spending time outdoors with family, like we said, ranks the highest in terms of what they're looking forward to. And uh, among campers, it increases to 37% of travelers looking forward to just spending time outdoors with family. It's a great place to be. Yeah. I really do enjoy when, when Sabrina and I are in good weather, I mean, we try to take full advantage of it. Yeah. At, you know, at, at least go out on a walk every day or a hike or just, just sit outside. Sit outside. You know, it's, yeah. It's just nice to be out there. Yeah. Listen to the birds. Uh, the area that we're in right now has a bunch of hummingbirds. They fly. Uh, it looked like something out of a sci-fi movie or a fantasy movie. I had a hummingbird just like kind of fly up to me he did about six feet away and just hovered there and just stared at me for a little while. I thought it was on like dart at me and peck me or something, but it just looked at me for a little bit. And then Bell barked and it flew away. I was like, you ruin everything. It's like, Bell, you ruin everything. <laughs> it was just curious, I guess. Being outside, you get these real nice experiences. The next thing was navigating outdoor recreation safely after COVID-19. And nine out of every 10 leisure travelers and 95% of campers, which are really high numbers, mm -hmm. feel that it is reasonable to have at least some measures in place to limit contact with others. Then they asked which measures they felt are reasonable. Nearly half agree that limiting the number of people on the trail is reasonable. 
and 48% uh, said limiting group sizes and 39% said requiring masks. Yeah, I really, I, I thought all these numbers were great that 95% of the campers felt that it was very reasonable to have some measure in place to limit contact. I thought that was, I was really happy to see that number. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I was glad. Me too. And, and then on the trails, like you said, people have been being really good about that. You know, there are a few people that, that maybe just don't realize that they're getting in your space, but for the most part, everybody gives you plenty of space. I've accidentally gotten into people's space. And then afterwards I felt bad about it. Like at a supermarket, when you're going like up and down the aisles and somebody's down that aisle and I'll be in the aisle and be like, Oh, I forgot. I wanted to grab, you know, a pack of coffee or something. And they're close by. And I, I just kind of snatch it from next to them. And then later on, I'm like, Oh, I really shouldn't have, I guess, gotten that close to them. I should have just waited till they got what they needed and then got it later. I'm guilty of it. <laughs> now, have you had any people in your RV since, since COVID? No. no. Yeah. <laughs> nope. And everybody we've met has been outdoors and at, at least six feet. We try to stay even further, but yeah, at least, at least, at least six feet away. Yeah. We're, we're not that brave, Sean. We should put a link to the camping report in our show notes. And then uh, if you, it's worth reading and, and going back to their previous reports to see the kind of stuff that they research and publish and they publish it for free on their website, KOA. Oh, Every year they publish right. this report for free. So it's really good to go, go look at it and just kind of get an idea of what the trends are and things like that. I really like this report. I've, I've been reading it for probably three years now. I was wondering where you got this from. Like, as far as I thought it was emailed to you from somebody. Oh, no, they put it right on their website. Oh, that's great. I'll snag some of these charts and I'll put them in our show notes so you guys can see the charts too. Uh, if you don't click the link, I, I agree with Sean, though, it'd be probably better just to click the link and then you get all the information right there. It's an easy read. What was it? 11, 11 pages, I think, in total. But with the graphs, you know, the graphs take up a lot of space. So it's, it's really not 11 full Yeah, it's pages. not a lot of words. No, it's not a lot of words. You can... <laughs> that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, that's that's what KOA had reported. And again, they used a third party for that information. But Sean and I were kind of curious for anybody that's listening. What are you most looking forward to this year and RVing? Uh, is it just the outdoors? Or are you looking forward to maybe being outdoors with friends and family? We're, we're just curious. Or is it something completely different? Yeah. Yeah. What are your reasons? I, I'm also curious to know when will you know it's safe to go out and take trips again? What's your what's your bar, I guess, for getting back out on the road? When Sabrina tells me it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> when she stops getting emails from every hospital across the country. I just want to say that it's true, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want to scare anybody. On our last episode of a, the driver's edition of just Kenny and I talking, Kenny was talking about some adjustments to the sway bars on his motorhome. I, I'm curious to know how it worked out. Yeah, so I have a Class A gas motorhome 2016. So that's on the Ford F53 chassis. There's a thing on the internet people talk about all the time in the forums about making a, they call it the cheap handling fix. And they call it that it's pretty much a free handling fix because if you have the tools, it doesn't cost you anything. All you need is a 15 millimeter, 18 millimeter 
socket wrenches and you're pretty much good to go. Maybe a screwdriver or something like that. And so I made the adjustment to the front sway bar first. We went on a short drive and loved the results. So I said, well, nobody really talks about doing the rear. So let me do the rear sway bar too. So apparently there's a reason why nobody talks about doing the rear. So I did the rear sway bar. And then we went for another trip of a, a few thousand miles and we didn't like it anymore. So now I just put the back, the rear sway bar back to stock. So if anybody's thinking about doing the, uh, the cheap handling fix, maybe just, you know, you, you could do both. It really doesn't take long. In fact, I did the rear sway bar, put it back to original stock while Sabrina was working out one day. And she didn't even realize that I went under the RV and, and fixed it. It took me like 20 minutes to put it back to stock. So if you want to do front and rear, you can, but I would do one at a time to see the differences. But yeah, just having that front done, that seems to be the way to go uh, for us. What was the difference in the back that you didn't like? I think it made the chassis too stiff as far as the sway went. So when a, a gust of wind would hit us, there was zero give. So uh, it just it just hit and it hit hard. I really was expecting, you know, the front made such a difference. I thought that back, having the back then was just going to like multiply that even more. But I wish I had a better reason of why the back felt bad. But that's the only time the back felt bad was in windy, windy conditions, going around corners and all that. No, no issues at all. Now, with just the front being done in wind, very little issue. It's just when we included that adjustment in the rear that it became an issue with the wind. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah and then, like you said last time, it, you don't move it very far. No, it's a very small, very small adjustment. Yeah, you, you loosen. So in the front, it's just one one bolt on each side. In the rear, it's two bolts on, on each side. I did a video on it, but you just pull out these bolts. You raise the sway bar up a little bit and you put the bolts in these in the new holes. There's hole the holes are already there. You're not drilling nothing. Oh, they're already they're, drilled. Okay. They're already drilled. Yeah. Yeah. So the idea, I guess, from what I saw on the forums from other Ford technicians that are retired, they said that Ford isn't hundred percent sure when they make these chassis what size motorhome is going on them. So they set them up for a light duty scenario. And then they just feel it's up to the dealer or even the owner to make the adjustment as far as, is it a light duty truck? Is it a heavy motor home? What, what is it that's going on here? Then you can make the adjustments if you want to. So yeah, the holes are already there. The adjustment holes are there. All, literally, all you're doing is popping these bolts out, moving the sway bar, popping the new bolts in. You don't need to be a professional, I guess is what I'm trying to say. If I can yeah. do it, anybody can, can kind of do it. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. The feedback on it too. Yeah, I was really shocked. I couldn't believe that I had to change that. I was like, oh, you know, the front was awesome. The backs all make it even better. I will say when we did the front, I said to Sabrina, I was like, man, I can't imagine the ride getting any better. I wasn't expecting it to get worse. <laughs> <laughs> so just the front is done. And that's the cheap handling fix. You can find it in forums and stuff like that. And uh, if it's okay with Sean, I'll put a link to my video yeah. here in the show notes if you want to check out. Yeah. Uh, I, I show you where it's located. I show you the, the wrenches, the tools I use and everything like that. It's a pretty quick video. It's pretty easy, um, straightforward process. There's not much to it. And if you want to ask me about questions and send us a comment here, then I'll, I'll, I'll answer anything I can about it. We would like to hear from you guys on what upgrades you've done to your RV or tow vehicle that were 
things like what Kenny did just mm -hmm. to make it a little better while traveling. So if yeah. you could leave a comment or send us a note, yeah, we appreciate hearing those kind of things. Yeah, because there's all kinds, especially for the Ford chassis. You know, I hear people doing things all the time. Sumo Springs is another popular upgrade. I'd never done it, but it is. I also did a Safety Plus bar. So they're the two things that I've done to this RV for handling. I believe everybody should have a, we should probably try to get Safety Plus on the show because I feel like everybody should have a Safety Plus bar on their RV if it can take one, whether that be a diesel or a Class A gas. Um, its main purpose is to keep you straight in a front-end blowout. But some of the side benefits of it is that it's always trying to keep you straight. So it helps you in windy situations. It kind of takes a little bit of that play out of the steering wheel. Yeah. So between the safety plus bar and now that cheap handling fix, man, it, it's like driving a little cargo van. It, it's, it's made a big difference. But yeah, I'm curious what other people have done because I hear people do springs. You can go crazy with some of these suspension. And I would imagine there's the same for travel trailers and fifth wheels. I'm sure there's things that you can buy to improve the overall ride and comfort of your drive. Yeah, so let us know, definitely. And then you also installed a dash cam recently. I did, yep. I bought a Anchor Rove dash cam. I suction cupped it up to our windshield and I plugged it in and I bought a 10 foot USB cord. So I ran it around the windshield, down uh, the pillar arm and on our dash, is USB inserts. So now the dash cam is plugged in and it's on all the time. I don't have to try to remember to turn it on when we drive. I'm just leaving it on, just permanently on. I put 128 gig uh, SD card in there. So it'll just loop over. So it gets to the end of the memory. If nothing's happened that day when I'm driving, it records about 12 hours. If nothing happened, it'll just automatically loop and start recording over itself again. It's almost like a little security camera now, too, because it's up there. And what's the video quality like? It does 1080p. Oh, it really? looks, Yeah, it looks pretty sharp. It's not. So I will say it's not the same quality as like a 1080. You know, they call it 1080p, but there must be some type of compression or something that's a little different because it's not the same 1080p as if I would if I would grab my good camera and film. OK, I would say the saturation is a little different it's a little rougher around the edges, but you can read like license plates. You can see people's faces just fine. It's on right now. It's just always on. So just as a test, you know, I, I took out the card just to see how it was going. We're almost kind of using that surveillance too. We popped it in here and we were able to watch our neighbors set up their RV and, and break it down and stuff like that. Just kind of weird stuff. But I mean, you can see their faces just, just fine, even across the way. So I, I would say it's good quality video, but nothing... Nothing that's all like blow your socks off. Yeah, but good enough for what it's being used for. Yeah, and it works well at night too. Oh, great. Which I was surprised. Like we can see in the campground. I, again, I tested it at night while here at the campground. Now, of course, there's lights and stuff here at the campground, but it's not very bright here. But I can see our neighbor's RV or the people across from us anyway. And even the RV behind them, I can see. So the night vision in it is more impressive, I thought, more impressive than the day because it was actually able to see I'm, I'm curious to see what it looks like on the road at night, if we'll still be able to see a license plate. I'll be very surprised if it can, but, but we'll see. If you don't want to leave it on, it had some nice features. If you don't want to leave it on all the time, it has what's called a park mode. And if somebody would 
run into your RV it's, or a car, you know, whatever you had it set into, it has like a collision sensor. It feels the vibration and it'll turn the camera on and start recording. If somebody would hit your car and then try to drive away, hopefully if the angle's right, if they hit you from the front anyway, you'll be able to get their plate. If they hit you from the back, I mean, you're not throwing really how you don't know who it was, but if, if they bumped into you from the front at least, or if somebody tried to break into your car yeah. or RV, I mean, once you stepped on these steps, probably it would give it enough of a shake, I would hope, to turn it on. Yeah, kind of like the sentry mode on the Tesla. That's really, yeah. I don't know. I go, I wouldn't say it's like that, but <laughs> that's version. what it reminded me of. Yeah. <laughs> light version. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sentry mode in that, in those Teslas are, are incredible. Yeah. Incredible. The sentry mode, just the way it's always filming too, when you're driving that you can see traffic from behind and front that right there is worth the price of the car. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I have to let everybody, you know, I have to do a little update and see uh, how how it goes on a trip. Where Sabrina and I are about to take a <laughs> my sad face. We're about to take a pretty long trip back up north, so <laughs> I'm not looking forward to going back into the cold. You did something that I never really thought gave too much thought about. You winterized your RV, which I have given thought to because I've done that myself. <laughs> but then you were talking about like doing maintenance or like a checkup on your RV while it's being stored. And I, th I think you should definitely talk about this because you mentioned things that I never really thought about. I think winterize it, put it in storage, forget it until the next season. Yeah, so we, uh, when we first got the RV, we had to winterize it for that first winter. When we took it out, I had it in a storage yard, winterized it, parked it out there, drove out there just a couple of times just to check on it. But then when we took it out camping, uh, for the first time after that winter, we had a lot of problems with the RV that we should have really should have been checking on the entire time it was winterized. So now we're back in a, in a house and just traveling part-time. So I winterized it because up here in Virginia, it gets pretty cold. But every month now, I have like a little list of things that I that I go out and check. So I'll check all the wiring on the batteries to make sure everything's okay with that. Um, we have lithium, so we don't have to check the fluids or anything. And then using the app, I'll check the charge to make sure that it's okay because we have the Victron battery monitor. And then I check the inverter charger and then I'll walk around to the side, turn on both the propane tanks and uh, make sure First thing I'll do is make sure they sell propane in them and there's not a leak somewhere. And uh, then I'll go inside the RV, flip on all the lights and turn on the furnace and make sure that it's blowing out heat. And then I also light the stove and, and the oven. Once the RV warms up, I'll stay in there and watch my app to make sure that my batteries are being used because I've turned on the inverter. And so I want everything running off the batteries. And that's another good way to make sure that the solar is charging those batteries efficiently. And then while I'm inside, I'll also check the toilet to make sure there's still some antifreeze in the toilet because one of the problems we had before was the seal got messed up and that antifreeze drained out and then the seal was ruined. And so we had to put a new seal in the toilet. And then I'll... Uh, shut everything off and go outside, shut off my propane. And then instead of an onboard generator, we have portable generators that I keep in the garage. 
and I'll get both of them started and run them about an hour with stuff hooked up to them so that they're actually getting their exercise. And I hope by doing this that when we go out on that first camping trip, uh, we won't have any problems because I've been checking everything as we've been going and hopefully that'll work. And I, I made a video about it as well that we're gonna put out next weekend. And so then I'll put a link to it. I'll add a link to our show notes to that video as well, just showing what my process is. And I'm really curious what other people do in the winter to check on their RVs to make sure everything is functioning as it should be. So when you're ready to go out on that trip, you don't get a bad surprise and, and have to cancel your trip because you have to fix something. And that's uh, Chicory's Travels. So that video will go up on Chicory's Travels. You can subscribe now to Sean and Julie's YouTube channel. And this way you won't miss it when it comes out if you don't want to wait for the link. Um, so, so Sean, you too, Kenny, Moving Forward Adventures for that other video. My channel is Moving Forward Adventures. Yep. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> you have solar up on your RV, so you don't have to hook up a trickle charge or anything to the batteries then as far as, as that goes. Yeah, no, I have my battery cutoff turned off, so there's no power flowing from the batteries. And then the solar charge controller and the solar panels actually just trickle charge the battery. Yeah, I didn't even think about, you know, you mentioned the toilet seal and without, if it drained a little bit with that seal being exposed, I guess the air and the dryness dries that seal out. And then I guess it, what's it do? Does it crack? Yeah, it cracks it and then it won't ever stay. The toilet won't ever uh, hold water. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. We learned that the hard way. Yeah. <laughs> no, these are good tips. Like I said, when you were telling me that you were doing all this, I was like, man, Sean, I didn't even think about maintenance on an RV when you're not using it. I'm like, that's that's the beauty of having it like kind of out in storage and putting the, uh, well, it's not a called antifreeze, but I'm drawing a blank. What is it called? It's called potable water antifreeze yeah it is oh okay perfect <laughs> and uh, the nice thing is it only takes about two hours a month to do all that so it doesn't it doesn't take long no that's worth it yeah and like you said because you don't want any surprises when it's time to go on a trip and then you go back to your rv i think that is worth it right there no matter how much time it took is that you know that your rv is ready for the trip yeah there's no no surprises when you go and out. i also do some rodent checks too while i'm mm. out there because, you know, they like to get in there in the winter. Yeah. So, haven't found any yet. Warm. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I, I think that was everything that we were going to talk about as far as the substance of the uh, show tonight. I saw Shakar tells, is telling everybody, don't forget to hit the thumbs up. We definitely appreciate that, Shakar. But I've kind of forgot to say in the very beginning, to wish everybody a happy new year. This is our first driver's edition for the new year. And I also want to share that we have a lot of exciting episodes coming this year to you. Sean and I have been working very hard of getting guests on the show. We have escapees coming on the show to talk about their RV university online courses. So that'll be uh, Travis and he brings two of the instructors from the course onto the show. Their names, I am drawing a blank Landon on their names. And Carenza. Thank you, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> so he talks about that in that entire course. We have Winnebago service center, coming on this year to talk about what they are able to provide at the Winnebago Service Center. We have Tempstick coming on the show, which I'm excited about because it's something that a uh, product that Sabrina and I have been using for the four years that we've been in an RV and we really like the product. Uh, we 
broke one of them. I drove over it with the with the RV and we actually went out and replaced it right away. We think it's a great product. So we're, we're excited to have them on the show. We also have WaySafe coming on the show. They make a hitch that weighs your travel trailer. So you know exactly how much weight you are towing and it helps with uh, distribution of your weight so that you know that you're like balanced. I think that's a really good product. I think that's going to be really interesting for me because I don't tow a travel trailer or, or have a fifth wheel or anything like that. So I think that's going to be a very helpful show for me to learn about. You yeah, you too. But you do try. You do tow. You already know a lot about towing. I I don't too much. So <laughs> I'm interested in that one. It's going to be neat to talk to them. Yeah, I thought so too. And then we also have Roadmaster suspension coming on the show. And I think we even have more than that uh, set up. But that's that's what I have written down here. I know I'm forgetting a couple. Roadmaster suspension I thought was a pretty cool product too. It's for pickup trucks, vans, and it's supposed to help the ride for uh, towing. And it's supposed to help your ride when um, loaded up with any weight in your cargo bay. But it also is supposed to help with your swaying when cornering, even with nothing attached. So I'm curious to talk to them. And I would actually, if I if I try to, Sean, you help me remember too. Let's talk to Waysafe about Roadmaster suspension and vice versa and see if the two products can work together. Because I'd be curious or... yeah. I wonder if they are even aware of one of another or what each other's products do, because I feel like the WaySafe helps you with the towing. And I feel like the Roadmaster suspension helps you with the towing. So can the two be combined and give you like an ultimate towing experience? Yeah. <laughs> be like, there's nothing behind you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I would hope for. <laughs> and then we would also like to thank our sponsor, Battleborn Batteries, for sticking with us another year and really supporting the show and supporting everything that we're doing. So if you get a chance, go check out Battleborn Batteries. We have links all over our website and there will be a link in the show notes as well. So, so go check them out. Kenny and I both use Battleborn Batteries they sell a lot of other products as well that, that enhance what your batteries can do and, and provide some battery anxiety relief when you are on the road. So go check out Battleborn Batteries. Yeah, I bought that Victron battery monitor from them. I love that thing. That thing's addictive. I'm on that thing all the time, checking up, seeing what's going on, especially when we're out boondocking and uh, using our solar to see how much power is coming in and out and stuff. I love that Victron battery monitor. Sometimes I'm sitting in my house and I'll pull it up and look at it to see what's it's going so on. so cool. I don't know why it's cool, but it really is cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I also want to echo that and give Battleborn a big shout out because you guys may or may not know. So we do offer sponsorship. Battleborn sponsors the show for the entire year. And they've done that for the last two years and they're sponsoring us for another entire year of 2021 again. So uh, they, they said, yeah, we, we love you guys. We love the show. We like the information that you guys put out there. So we want to sponsor you for a full year again, because you guys might've heard us being sponsored by other people and usually the other uh, products, which we love and we're not bashing anybody, but they'll just sponsor us for a couple episodes here or there and then uh, kind of disappear. But Battleborn sponsors every episode throughout the entire year. So definitely a big thanks to Battleborn. They make having the podcast a lot easier for us. I've always said, you know, from the very beginning, I, I think having Battleborn in our corner has helped the channel grow. Oh yeah, for been, sure. 
you know, not just the financial part of it, but I, I think just having them sponsor us has always been a, a very nice perk to the yeah. channel. Yeah, for sure. So, all right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see you again in two weeks. And until then, safe travels. All right, everybody. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Battleborn Batteries, the best name in the RV and marine industry. These lithium batteries are designed and assembled in the USA, backed by a 10-year warranty. The best solution for your battery anxiety. So go check them out at battlebornbatteries.com.